Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio episode 96. This is our WrestleMania review, part two. In that in that Chris Jericho ship, part two. Is that right? <sighs> You're gonna be that person, Matt. I don't know how to do French. My name is Matt Sin. I am Wrestle Life Matt, and I am here with my lovely sister-in-law Riley. Hello. My little brother Micah. Hola. For the first time on a review episode, we have Mr. Devlin Anderson. Hello. And we have, of course, the Wrestle Life Hill himself, Mr. Chris Cumby, and my cousin Kyle. That's right, the original trio is back. Chris comes before Kyle because I don't know when Chris will be on this show again. And honestly, it makes me a little sad. Oh, that's so sweet, Matt. It hurts. We'll, it have, hurt. we'll have him back on when Brock wins the title back. <laughs> Yes, just to get the reaction. You mean the sure. next pay per view? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to. I don't even want to go there. Uh, but today is April 6, twenty twenty, and we're about to give you, Chris, this day in wrestling history. And did you guys know, April 6, twenty fourteen, six years ago today. WrestleMania 30 took place. And do you know what happened in that main event? Yes, Omania. I believe that was indeed Yes, Omania, where independent wrestlers all over the world rejoiced as famous independent wrestler Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. the American Dragon, Bryan Danielson, stood on top of the mountain holding both WWE championships high above his head as world champion. And honestly, that's something that I thought I'd never really see. Yeah, and uh, he wrestled Sami Zayn on this year. <laughs> he did. He did. Air quotes and, on wrestled. Yeah. You know, he just beat the crap out of him. That's he sure. killed Sami Zayn. So look, a lot of he, stuff happened back there. Sami Zayn <laughs> played played a, uh, a very, I can't say the word, but uh, chicken poop. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Throughout the whole match. Yeah. That's what I was talking about, right? Like I said on the preview show, and Devlin, why don't you – you can go deeper in this if you'd like to. But I said on the preview show that if you set these two guys loose, it would be one of the greatest matches any of us have ever seen. But with Sami Zayn's character the way it is, it wouldn't be right for him to be able to go with Daniel Bryan for 20 minutes, right? That's correct. I mean, it's just how they've how uh, they've booked him and being the character that he is. He can go. We all know he can go. He had a phenomenal match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, we all talked about that when it happened. So we know Sam McGinn, he's got legendary stuff from ROH um, as El Generico. So uh, we know he can go. Um, so he, he could have that five-star match with Daniel Bryan, but a lot of people lose the psychology of what the character that he's portraying and what they're trying to do with this group when they let him play that particular character. They couldn't do what, what, what everybody wants them to do, the fans want them to do. So it's kind of like, hey, we can do this, but we're not doing it. Exactly. And, and honestly, it, what needed to happen happened. But if you want to hear more about that, listen to episode 95, or part one of our WrestleMania review show. So we're going to go straight in. And honestly, a lot of stuff part happened. Part Uno? Or part Uno, yes. Uh, a lot of stuff happened on the backstage in the backstage area. And honestly, I don't really care about any of it. So I'm not going to talk about it, except for one thing that happened after Edge Orton. And we're going to just go ahead and get it out of the way. And that is Mr. Rob Gunkowski. Jumping off the top onto Mojo Raleigh and like a bunch of goobers 
Like he's on the little stage area that he is in. I think they're all like performance center guys. I didn't really notice any of them. I don't know if you guys notice any WWE superstars out there. Not a one. Except not, for Mojo. not even the normal geeks want to fight for this title anymore. They had to hire people. So, so Rob Gronkowski jumps off, lands on everybody, and gets your one, two, three. So Rob Gronkowski, as we all called, is your new 24-7 champion. I'm assuming he's probably going to be on Raw tonight. And he put think? the boots to his buddy after he won. Yeah. <laughs> he stood yeah. up and then gave him like two or three more boots before he ran away. But have fun, Gronk. You know, yeah, good whatever. Friend. Yeah, there you go. So match number one, Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Uh, which was two minutes longer than Cesaro versus Drew Gulak. And Chris is our pre-show special because I know you actually watched it. You want to talk a little bit about that? You know, I was I, I didn't understand why we were having the match other than just we had to have one during the pre-show. Um, I felt like they were given way too much time. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. A lot of blonde hair flipping around and a surprising pin on Natalia, which just seems to happen all the time. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Natalia. I I like her, and I know a lot of people don't really like her, but, I mean, she's the daughter of Jim Neidhart. I think she's a good worker. She's been around for a long time. It was really strange, though, because she kind of played the heel at the beginning of this match, right? Like, she was John at Liv Morgan, and Liv actually goes for a handshake, and Natalia's the one who, like, tried to roll her up. I don't know. It was just kind of weird. It's a weird situation. Well, it was, it was kind of a pointless match, so... <laughs> I'm guessing this spawned out of their little verbal exchange from the Elimination Chamber. I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> Which is hilarious, by the way. Long-term booking. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, so let's talk about Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley opening this match. And Devlin, I want you to tell me a little bit about it and, and your thoughts on it. Uh, to me, this was one of the matches of the weekend uh, and, and to me, I think this might have been match of the night. I really, really enjoyed it, and it's what I really would have liked Shayna and Becky to be. What did you think of it? I felt like I was watching two girls beat the living crap out of each other. I mean, it was. I'm telling you, man. it was. I mean, it was brutal at times to watch. Like they were just hammering each other. And, I, and I've been in a ring, so I, I can tell. You know, sometimes they there's a necessity sometimes to tighten things up. There was no necessity here, but they did. They went out there and they they were really you know, tight and snug with each other. And they had a really good match. My problem with the match as a wrestler, and a lot of okay. these perspectives are going to be that is that Ripley's knee was getting worked over a ton in this match. And she mm-hmm. kept running on it. She kept planting on it to kick. She was selling it, but th- there were times where she was like just running on it. She kept hitting it, but it, it made no sense. Like if your knee is that hurt and this is the finish that we're getting to, you should never run on it. You should never, you should limp over to her. You should hit her. You should do things that you don't have to run on the knee to, to make it seem more real because then she was doing top rope drop kicks. And I'm like, the psychology is thrown right out the window here. And your finish is null and void right. at point in my eyes. But as a match as a whole, it was really, really good. Okay. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Chris, I know you enjoyed it too. Why don't you give us your thoughts on it? Dude, this is totally match of the night for me. I was kind of surprised that they were starting the show, but I'm, you know, they set the bar so high for the remainder of the show that it just seemed like nobody even came close. I mean, the Edge and Orton match had its high moments, I think, but this to me was the match of the night. Um, these are two of the best workers in the company, really, and uh, and I, I didn't quite understand the ending. Charlotte winning the title, I get why they did it, but at the same time, it would have been cool to see. 
uh, Rhea Ripley win because she she de- she is totally the next big star. We we just love her. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think she's really going to be something special. Um, I, I have read, and I don't know if this is true, but I have read that Charlotte's going to be defending that NXT title on all three brands, which I don't really know how I feel about that. But I don't know. I, I'll, I will wait and reserve my judgment until I see it happen. It it's sucks. It's like the name <laughs> of the title is the NXT title. <laughs> Perhaps it should only be defended on NXT. Just, just I'm just throwing it out there. Honestly, that sounds yeah. like a Vince. That sounds like a Vince pull. Honestly, doesn't it? It sounds like something Vince pulled and was like, "No, Hunter, we're gonna do this. We're gonna basically right. just crap on this title and have it make it have no meaning because that'd be like having any other belt on NXT defended there on, on any other brand, I mean, any other brands. It, it, NXT is its own brand, in my opinion. And, and when you start doing right. that cross promoting like that. It, it takes away from the, the talent that's down in NXT trying to win that title. Yeah, I think what if they uh, just had like a wild card rule. No hard pass. No. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, I feel yeah, like I'm, I'm, really I'm in agreement with you guys. I think that uh, it needs to be stuck. It needs to stay on NXT. I mean, I wasn't happy with Charlotte winning, but I mean, I said on the preview show, I could totally see it just because WWE. They they just love Charlotte, and I mean for good reason. She put on a great match here, and she's a great worker. I mean, not gonna fault her at all. But I mean, Rio, she needed to win this. Like people get over by getting big wins, and she submitted clean to Charlotte. Like I just don't see how that benefits Rhea. Uh, I mean, she was on the big stage. NXT had the spotlight. I mean, if you're not gonna give Shayna the win, you got to give Rhea the win. Like I, I don't know. I just. I enjoyed this match thoroughly. I thought it was fantastic. I thought both of them did a great job. To everybody's point, they beat the snot out of each other. Uh, and probably my favorite match of the night, but I, th- I just hated the result. Like, yeah, so. And I think the idea was for Charlotte to end up on NXT and maybe get a, you know, get a star like Charlotte on that brand and, you know, pop a rating or something, kind of help them out. But it definitely makes no sense if she's going to be defending it on all the brands. Like now I'm just completely baffled. Yeah. Devlin, did you want to add something, man? Yeah. I feel like if we were going, if I, if I was booking this kind of scenario, I'd almost make it like Charlotte relinquishes the title on NXT as almost like a spit in the face to Rhea. Like I'm so good. I beat you for your title. And now here I'm relinquishing because I don't need this belt. So I'm going back to raw and SmackDown. And then we, you know, we got, you know, NXT takeover, uh, for SummerSlam coming up, you know, you could have the rematch where there is no title in the line. It's just them. And you could put Rhea over. I feel like that would be almost the best storyline. And you can have somebody else go for the NXT title, the women's title and, and, and be put over that like a tournament or whatever. That way you could have someone that's an up and comer in the roster could have that belt. So my only complaint, and again, I love, Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte and Becky. But on last night's episode, I literally said my only complaint with the women's roster in the WWE is other than the four horsewomen, they never push anyone. And at WrestleMania, your winners were Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Bailey with Sasha Banks helping Bailey win. And that that is my only real complaint, you know? I, I just I, again, they're all incredibly talented. But I would like to see someone else be pushed. You know, for that ending, I I think I messaged you, Matt, that 
I think it would have been awesome to have Rhea kind of pull like a um, stone cold and just pass out from the pain versus tap out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That would have been that would have been better. I think you, that would have pushed her big. All right, so then we're going to go ahead and move on, and we are going to move on to match number three, which is Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley with Lana. And Mr. Kyle Pauly, I know you're a big Alistair Black fan. Tell me about it. What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Uh, they actually had a – they started off pretty well. Um, I, I will say in terms of like a – I don't know. Black is they, – they coined him as a t- talented striker, and he like started by trying to grapple with Bobby Lashley, which – wasn't very wise. Uh, Bobby was throwing them all over the place, but uh, they, they actually had a pretty good back and forth. Um, it was a uh, you, you know good struggle between the both of them. It was pretty good. I, I was enjoying it, but then that finish came, and I really, I, I just this is another finish like similar to the Charlotte match where the finish happened, and I was like, well, I enjoyed it except for the finish. Basically, what happened was Bobby Lashley was setting Alistair up for the Dominator. And then Lana just jumps up on the apron and says, no, hit him with a spear. So he drops him and he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he lines up for the spear, runs up, up at Alistair, black mass, hits him in the face, knocks him out. What I hated about this, Alistair Black picked up the win, but Bobby like had him set him up for his finisher. So he had him beat essentially, you would think. And then Lana told him to hit another move. He got screwed. I mean, it's, it's the heel looking dumb, but at the same time, like it's another case of Alistair looking weak <laughs> in a win. Like same thing with like AJ, like would take her helping him out. Like it was just, I didn't get it. And then not only that, he hits him with a black mask and beats him. And Bobby like immediately gets up and starts looking around. I'm like, okay, well, he did uh, the whole Kogan kick out. I was going to say something about that too. <laughs> yeah. So black did not look, he did not come off convincing like as a winner in this, entire match after you know a pretty decent match between the two so i was not happy with it and uh yeah lana gave bobby a look obviously they're gonna after you know so soon after putting them together and you know having to marry each other they're gonna divorce them at some point obviously so uh yeah yeah did no favors for black it's a bad storyline and i don't care uh devlin you said you wanted to add something to that no i it just seems like I've been watching WWE programming for so long and I see things that I'm like, God, this is almost like a repeat performance. Aleister Black has fan momentum and yeah. he has a, he, he's popular. But when you get moved up to the main roster, it's like Vince just like holds his thumb on him. Like Right. And I, when I look at Aleister Black, I almost see like CM Punk. Like Punk had to fight and scratch and claw and get himself over on his own for Vince to be like, okay, I'll give you the push. But I don't think Alistair's willing to do that. And I think that he gets up there and he has kind of like the same, not I'm not saying the exact same look, but almost the same exact look as Punk. And I think Vince sees that and is like, "Mm, I'm just going to put the the kibosh on him and and do this. Again, to the finish, as as one of our, our lovely guests said, that I was so mad about Bobby not just laying there and being out and Lana coming in and trying to revive him. Like, right. That should have been like, we should have had that storyline. Like he's so mad at her for making him do that. Like that should have been the, like the quote unquote breakup moment or the catalyst right. for the breakup. If that's what we're going right. to yeah, do, this is what needs to happen, but they didn't do that. And, and Bobby knows basically no selling a finish after a three count. I, I was super upset about that. Other than that, the match was solid. 
It wasn't yeah. barn burner by any means. It's just it was a raw match. Yeah, it, it's a style. It honestly, it's a styles clash. It really is. Yeah, yeah, I understand what yeah. you're saying. And say what you will about Brock Lesnar, he he died after uh, the Claymore kick. Oh yeah, that's true. He, he laid there. He, he that's gave. the difference in I guess a, a I don't know. I, I mean, he's Big a veteran. Yeah, he's a veteran, so I, I guess he knew to do that. And, and Brock Lesnar doesn't go in the ring anymore, but it seems like little nuanced stuff like that he does kind of pick up on, even though he only knows three moves anymore. Or only does three moves. He knows more than that. He's stop, Mike. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's a here's a question. So Bobby Lashley got up at three, but this was not live. This was pre-taped. If that was not what they wanted him to do, they would have just redone it, right? Yeah. So. I think and Lashley's not an idiot. Like he's not yeah. going to just hop up after a finish. Like yeah. he, I think that's what somebody playing. told him probably to do that. But I mean, my point is, like I said, it's not convincing for Alistair. And I going in this match, I thought, okay, I think Alistair's going to win. I don't see why he wouldn't, but I wanted to see him get a convincing win because I mean, other, I mean, look at AJ, what happened in that match, this match ended up being the same way. Other than that, Alistair has just been squashing geeks on like raw. So who has he even beaten? I was like, this is a stage where he can come out and get a convincing win. Uh, as Devin pointed out, he's getting over like he's a fan favorite. Like, put the guy over, like, make it like let him. I mean, Paul Heyman likes him, but I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't think Vince is sold on the guy. And he's more, you know, inept to put, you know, Bobby Lashley over here, you know, in the end to in favor of this stupid Lana story that they got going on. I don't know. Like, I just didn't like it. Yeah. No, I, I guarantee um, you told Bobby before the end of that match not not to sell that finish as much as he should. One hundred percent. Yeah, I guarantee you. One hundred percent. Yeah, uh, Micah. <clears throat> the next match we have is Otis versus Dolph Ziggler, and yeah. Sonny Deville came out with Dolph Ziggler's, and my wife said, "Well, I guess that means Sonny and Mandy are officially done." Yeah, they didn't. What? Um, they didn't do the begging, pleading, uh, "Please forgive me" thing for like what two nights. Yeah, and they're just in like full like no, we're heels, we're the bad guys yeah. in the situation. That's who we are, uh, which is fine because uh, they are and they've been exposed. So I guess deal with the cards you've been dealt. But yeah, um, I, the match was you know it was an okay match. Um, it's it wasn't a fantastic match. Uh, Dolph Dolph had it over on uh, on Otis there on Otis because Sonya kept uh, interfering, and uh, wouldn't you know it, into an empty arena. Mandy Rose's music hits. She comes out, pushes Sonya out of the way, just hits. She did not push her out of the way. She slapped the. Yeah, she slapped the piss out of her, and she punched her a couple times too. Yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm misremembering it, but yeah. Okay, so she handled Sonya yes. regardless. <laughs> I want to point out. Before you move on, that if one of my best friends did something mean to me, I wouldn't be like, all right. And I wouldn't just like randomly start wailing on them. Like, you know, maybe we need to sit down and talk about this. They've been best friends for like a decade or more. I, I don't know. It's just such a quick turn. I didn't like it. Well, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really care about Sonya or even Mandy, really. I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm worried about my boy Otis right now. OK. Um, but yeah, Mandy comes out and hits, hits Dolph right in his ziggles. And um, <laughs> I want to point out too, she did that, and Michael Cole in an empty arena yelled like right yeah. at Robinson, "Shit, Mandy with a low blow to Dolph and JBL, that should be a disqualification." And it's like, 
Donald Trump just just ignored him. Yeah, and Sonia just did it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I say because you can hear them in the replay. Yeah, I was. I say, can they not hear them talk at the top of their lungs? And I'm like, well, all right. Can we talk about how gold hmm. JBL's commentary was? He said Otis it was, was like, so I have, good. I have Husky. Uh, only if I yeah. ate Bam Bam Bigelow. And he was like, uh, he was like saying this is like watching the National Geographic, and yeah, he, he had a lot of uh, very good heel commentary that going was, on. That was Heenan esque because Michael Cole was like, doesn't he remind you of someone? And like he delivered that line, and it was like stretched out. Yeah, if he ate Bam Bam Bigelow, I was like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it was yeah, it was so really good. good. But uh, I'm not not a fan of the hatred towards my boy Otis, but it was it was good in his in his play. But yeah, uh, all that really matters is Otis was able to hit the the caterpillar come up with the win and he got the girl and the only thing that i really can take away from this is can you imagine the pop that would have gotten in an yeah. arena for 70,000 people that would have gotten yeah. a bigger pop than maybe anything else this night if any match needed a crowd it was this one like yeah. everything that pointed like otis like uh you know taking the the low blow with dolph then mandy's music hitting coming out her you know attacking sonya getting the ring and low blowing dolph obviously Cole and JBL yelling the spot that the ref didn't help. Uh, and then, yeah, the finish, Otis finally gets the girl and, you know, gets to kiss Mandy. But, uh, yeah, the crowd need to be here for this match, and uh, sadly they weren't. Yeah, that would have been bigger than winning the Universal Championship. Yeah, it would have been sure. huge. Um, this actually is a storyline they've developed a lot of time to recently, too. So it's, it's more one of the more thought-out storylines. And it's a simple storyline, and it works. Because that, that works a lot in wrestling. You have a simple storyline. You've got a guy that a lot of people can relate to. And he, in, in the end, he gets the girl. Which I think uh, they had mentioned before that during this time, they wanted a lot of the faces to win uh, during WrestleMania because of the time we're going through and all that. Um, but, yeah, this is, this is the perfect thing to, to perk up everyone's spirit. He got the girl. I don't know where they're going to go with this. I don't know if Mandy's going to be with Heavy Machinery now or if they're just going to break them up in two weeks or if they're going to have an on-screen marriage again. We need more of those. No, nope. um, no, we don't. Please. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have stopped with Randy Savage. Um, yeah, it, it was – I'm really glad to see the storyline end the way that I thought it would end, but I'm not sure where they're going to go with it. Yeah. So, Riley, I'm going to let you talk about this match as well. But first, Chris, you, you messaged me about a about a line that JBL said that you really liked. And so tell me tell me what that was. So JBL was just ripping the entire time. At one point, he said that he looked that uh, Otis looked like an inebriated brontosaurus. And then uh, and then, <laughs> and then they were talking about him possibly going with Mandy. And he goes, what? No, Peter would step in. <laughs> JBL was on fire. I know he's a horrible person and Micah hates him, but it was still hilarious. He was really good. He did a really I good only job. hate him as a person. Yeah, not as a performer. <laughs> he's good at bullying fat people. Really, yeah, tell, me what, tell me what you think. Um, I really enjoyed this match, especially the ending. Um, yeah, it just made me have a really good feeling, and I was super excited that it ended the way that I wanted to that I wanted it to end and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I also did. I thought it went really well. So Edge versus Randy Orton is next. And I was really shocked that this match was on so early. I thought it would be at least one of the final three matches. It was on so early and late. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I, I do want to point out 
that other than the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match, this is the longest match in WrestleMania history. Can you believe that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. It yeah. I, it I was literally had so time to get up and use the bathroom like three times. <laughs> it was so long. And my, my poor wife, Carol, absolutely hates these backstage matches where, you know, you're just kind of punching and nothing, not a whole lot happens except for these big spots. And I will tell you that there was one spot where like Edge was climbing. I don't know, like he had Randy Orton on a conference room table. So he was like holding on to this like mesh that was above the table and he like fell down like, I don't know. 10 inches and elbowed him. It was fine. Of course, you had the big ladder spot. But this match lasted 36 minutes and 35 seconds. And I was telling everyone last night when we were in our group chat, I said, you know what? This match needed two things for it to be great. It needed to be about 15, 10 to 15 minutes shorter, and it needed a big spot at the end. Because the end spot was the concerto, which we all knew was going to happen, right? But if they were going to be... They ended the match on top of a diesel. I don't understand... Why you would end the match on top of a diesel and not have someone fall off of the diesel? It just seems to be so. Please God, don't have Edge fall off the diesel. I just I don't all, understand. All that whole match is all low risk. That's why. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it was super safe, and that's fine. But I don't know, Chris. I'll let you start. What did you think of it? So actually, I was hoping that they would go all over the the performance center, and I'm glad that. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice tour. I'm glad they gave us a tour. tour. To see what was going on, you know. Right. It was it was interesting that they have uh, you know, fence over their conference room table. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, it, it went a little too long for me. I, honestly, these two guys with whenever you get to a certain age, they just they start doing just these no, you know, non just you know, disqualifications. And it makes sense, you know, they can't do what they used to do. I, I get it. But uh there were some big spots. I liked those, and I thought the ending was was really cool, honestly. Um, and uh, someone sent me, oh, my sister sent me this meme about when grown men cry, and it was the end of that match. And so it was just, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, take like ten minutes away from that match, and I and it probably would have been the match of the night for me. But Charlotte and Rhea still get that. Okay, all right. Um, Kyle, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, I definitely feel opposite of Chris. I, I hated this match. <laughs> I, thought I knew it you was, would. That's why I let you go next. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it went way too long. There was no... So we saw this very match. Uh, when, when was the... Uh, it, it was Johnny Gargano and Tomasa Ciampa where they wrestled all over the, uh, the performance center. And... I don't know. This it was like they were working it, like it was a in front of a large crowd. Like they they did the whole the slow pacing. They you know they took their time, which sometimes works. But when you have an empty arena and it's just like dead quiet, I, I don't know. And th there was just like no ebbs or flows to the match. Like they were just like one of them would just beat on each other for a while, and then th they would just lay there and let them count to like nearly ten. Like, I don't know. It was so slow. It, it, I don't know. It was to me, it was just absolutely boring. Like literally you could sum this up to, they beat the snot out of each other for like 30 minutes in edge one with a concerto in the end. Like that's all that happened. Oh, actually, no, that's not all because 
and I can't believe they did this. I don't know who okayed this. What about the spot where he put Edge on the rack and like was hanging him with the equipment? Spot? Right. Yeah. Immediately, I was like, "Are you?" Everybody thought that you? except for the person that okayed that. I'm like, "Dark Side of the Ring" released like a week or two ago, guys. Like two weeks ago, and that's the only thing. I mean, yeah, I like would have thought of it immediately anyway, but. My God, I was like, are you kidding? Like, I know it's not like the exact thing, but like it's weight equipment. He's choking the man. Like, uh, yeah, I was just completely baffled. And I mean, at that point, like I just had a, you know, I was just like, I cannot believe they did that. And then, yeah, I, so I didn't like anything about this match. I mean, we, we talked about how this story going in was like the biggest thing on the show. Like it was the match we were looking forward to. Like it was the best story. And this was such a huge disappointment to me, like in every way. So I was not a fan at all. Well, how about how, how bad was the ref? Like how many times he, should he have been counting and he wasn't counting? He just didn't. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then it sounded like he was skipping numbers. <laughs> like at one point he said three, four, six. I'm like, what? <laughs> that might have been editing. I, I don't know. Micah, what would you like to say about this match? Uh, I think this match suffered from a couple things. Like you said, it was definitely too long. And I don't even know, like, gosh, cut 10 minutes off of this and give it to Becky and Shayna, but whatever. Um, it was too long. But another thing it really suffered was from commentary. The commentary was god-awful this entire yeah. match. Um, it was the – was it the Raw? Was it uh, – it wasn't in the regular Raw. It was uh, – was it, was it, was it Byron, Byron and, and Todd? Yeah. Todd, yeah. Tom Phillips and um, – Byron Saxton. Yeah, Byron. Yeah, those, those guys. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like the commentary at all. It was the entire time they were like, "Oh, and and Edge is hitting him with a right hook again, and Randy's moaning again." Yeah, one of and, you messaged me that uh, <laughs> that they they were basically commentating the PGA Tour instead of the instead yeah, of the wrestling. It was awful. Um, it really brought it down. Um, I know I've complained about Cody's commentary on AEW. It's the same thing. The energy level is just, it's way down here. If JBL would have commentated this as terrible of a person as he is, it would have been a much better match. Yeah. Um, Cause commentary makes a match a lot of times. Um, it definitely it, helps. It, especially in an empty arena too. I mean, if you have no crowd reaction to go off of, you need something. And when you we just have two old guys running around just going, ugh. Uh, I mean, they're just running around moaning. I get it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but it, that that it really suffered from that. Um, I honestly, I think Edge actually had some really good acting chops in this. Um, yeah. I know he's done some acting in his in his retirement, uh, especially there towards the end. Like the dude legit showed a ton of emotion for when he put on that concerto to Randy. But it should have been about fifteen minutes previous. Uh, also. I just finished the 24 uh, documentary about uh, – sorry, that's, that's my dog. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not editing that. So we'll okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just finished the 24 documentary of uh, Edge uh, last night. And like in the documentary, he's like, yeah, I'm not doing any more like table spots or jumping off of things. And I get it was pre-taped. It was really safe. But he literally jumped from something onto a table. Yeah. Which is fine. It was a safe spot. There was like a crash pad and everything there, I'm sure. Yeah. But – I just thought that was kind of funny. And I'm sure Beth Phoenix the entire time was like, oh, God, please, no. Like, when they're on that 18-wheeler, the whole time I was like, get down. Get down. Right. Edge, get your butt down from that 18-wheeler. You've had two two neck surgeries now. Don't make it a third. 
But yeah, I I thought better of the match than Kyle did. I thought it was a decent backstage brawl. I, I I'm not a bit huge fan of those either, uh, especially without a crowd or good commentating. But yeah, it was it was definitely way too long. Okay, Riley, what did you think? I think that Micah would feel the same way as Kyle if he also saw the Gargano and Champa action in the Performance Center because that was so much better. It was so much better. Right. Um, I mean, Gargano put Champa through a stinking glass window of a door in the gym. Like, it was just awesome. And it was so fast-paced. They were talking to each other, like, the whole time. That's yeah, one that thing that we issue. missed with this. Like, I thought – I expected a lot of, like – of them like talking and stuff throughout the whole thing, especially with so many pauses. Like why didn't they trash talk each other or I don't know. It was way too long. Um, I got bored really quick with this match, but I mean, I'm glad edge won, and he was definitely like Micah said, the acting in this, like, especially at the end, it was kind of like a sigh of relief. Like, Oh yeah, I won. It's over. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also breathed a sigh of relief, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, we all we all were doing that. I did hear a lot of "I love yous" between the two of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There you go. I there, was, there was some sweet love talk. They're brothers. They're brothers. I, I know Orton grabbed that. him when he had him on the weight machine and said, "Like you're mine. I love you." And I was like, yeah. "Don't make this worse than it already is, yeah, guys." Come on. <laughs> is he the Tiger King? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So, Devlin, I want you to talk, and you, you're welcome to also give your thoughts in the match, but I want you to talk a little bit about the safety in this match and how it was. But before we do that, I do want to point out that you, got, that you guys briefly mentioned, in night one, there was so much jawing back and forth, and almost all of the matches, and this, I thought this whole night really lacked that, and I was disappointed in that. So, But, uh, yeah, Devlin, go ahead and t- take us to this match and let me know what you think. As someone that's... Uh, uh, very famously slapped one of your best friends on the head. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have a problem in wrestling as a whole with finishers being used um, in a match and someone kicking out of it. Like, okay. I wrestled for 17 years and I never let anyone kick out of my finisher ever. Because okay. when, if we've all been wrestling fans, when someone hits a finisher, it's the end all be all of moves and it should be protected as such. So when you build up to it, it's there. So Randy coming out of the gate and hitting an RKO, like I've seen this match before. This was triple H Randy. Right. Like I've seen this before. Who booked this? Like, right. This, this, you should be down edge. This is the end all be all of moves. Mm-hmm. And Rhea did it in the first match. Yeah. Right. If he would have came out and hit him with a chair or hit him with the camera, if he was in the ring filming Edge and then pulled a, and Edge turned around hitting with the camera, I would have been okay with that. Um, as far as the match goes, it was it was very safe for Edge's benefit. Very safe for Edge's benefit. That's I think that's the reason why the pacing of this match and we didn't get a lot of big moves and we didn't have a lot of things in the ring is because someone basically said, Edge, we don't want you to do a lot. We want to see how this goes first because I don't think this is the end of Edge. I think we're going to get another yeah, one. Yeah, definitely um, not. And I think it's yeah. going to be a little bit more um, physical um, just because they want, to, they want to test the waters and see how everything comes out at the end of things. So from this perspective, everything was really safe. The, the table spot, you could tell Edge had not done that in a while. <laughs> um, right. Because he got out there and he, he, you know, he flew off. But he kind of, there was two tables and he only landed on one. 
And I think he should have went for a splash versus the elbow because it it ripped Aunt Orton's back all up from the from the tape from landing on the table. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you guys. The match went on too long. Um, it got mundane in the middle of it, and and it really should have been cut in half. It should have been a 15 minute match. You know, matches can have that when there's not a crowd to feel off of, to feel their reaction. Even in a building like if they were, if there was a crowd in that building, they could feel the reaction of the crowd. So if they, right. if they had free reign to go however long they they needed to go, if the crowd was just sitting on their hands and they could they could kind of gauge which way they're going now, or hey, we're going to take it home now because we're losing them. But they didn't have that luxury, so they did what was planned out from A to Z, and. I, I mean, for what it's worth, the finish of the match was phenomenal, but everything in between and the spot on the the, uh, the weights or the weight equipment, uh, I sat there and was just shaking my head, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. Like it right. Just, but everything else was just kind of, like, basic. Nothing else really seemed yeah. to, to, like, catch my eye. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% totally agree. So we're going to move on. And as soon as this next match started, because Edge and Randy Orton went 36 minutes and 35 seconds, I look over to my beautiful wife and I said, there's no way this goes 10 minutes. And it didn't, because the Street Profits defeated Angel Garza and Austin Theory in 6 minutes and 20 seconds. Kyle, you want to tell us about this match? Uh, I mean, to me, it just came off as another Raw match. There wasn't anything too special about it. I did like that, uh, um, which one is it, the... Uh, Montez Ford yeah. uh, did a flip to the outside. It was actually caught this time. So that was a relief. Right. He, uh, no risk in uh, breaking his back again. But um, I guess the biggest thing out of this match was uh, obviously uh, the Street Profits were able to pick up the win over Theory and Garza. Um, but Selena kind of got involved towards the end, which actually brought out Bianca Bel- Belair. Uh, and she came out, she speared Vega, gave her the KOD in the ring. And supposedly this is Bianca's call up. Uh, obviously, she's married to Ford, right? Yeah. So, um, so Dawkins, Ford, and Bel Air. Uh, you know, I guess she's part of the Street Profits now as a trio. Uh, so that's, that's pretty fine. notable. Like so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I was glad to see her get called up. It's probably the most notable thing about this match. Other than that, this, this match was five seconds shorter than the pre-show match. Just yeah. pointing out. Yeah, not uh, much to it. No, Chris, what did you think? I kind of just wish they had canceled the whole tag team match just because it was <laughs> – if, uh, if you know, it, it, we all knew what was going to happen. It was going to be a bunch of flips and dives, and then they were going to win. The uh, I agree with Kyle. The only saving grace was Bianca Belair coming out. That was really cool. And uh, she's she's really, really good. Like if, if, yes, she if, is. If no one's watched NXT and watched her, she's she's very, very good. And if she's coming to the main roster, I just pray that she doesn't get ruined like all the rest of the NXT. Yeah, that is a legitimate fear. Odds are not in her favor, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> so the Fatal Five Way is next with Bailey, Lacey, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. And I think that I said the over-under this at like nine minutes because I did not know that it was an elimination <laughs> match. So let, let me ask you guys, did... It, did they ever announce that this was an elimination match? Did I, I, I think it? they did on SmackDown this week. Okay. Uh, it didn't need to be, but they made it one. Yeah. I um, mean, they gave it almost 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, not, I mean, just fine. Riley, as the lone lady here today, 
What did you think of this fatal five way women's championship match? Um, I actually liked this match. Um, uh, the dogs I, did I, not, I, obviously. I, I like this spot where like everybody pinned Tamina, like it showed Tamina's a strong um, competitor because it took all of them to literally eliminate her. Um, I liked the end where it was just, wasn't it just Bailey, Sasha and um, Lacey Evans. Lacey. I really liked that. Um, I'm trying to think. I There was a spot I didn't really like. Like, I didn't like how... Okay, so obviously, Bailey saved Sasha a couple of times. And then Sasha okay. gets in the ring after she's, like, eliminated or before that. And she's like, how dare you? Like, she was mad at Bailey, and I didn't understand that. Bailey kicked her in the face. Yeah, but, like, wasn't it by accident? Like, Yeah, but she doesn't she, know that. Bailey said but, it was an accident. Yeah, but they're that close. Like, Sasha wouldn't be all upset anyways so and also i didn't really like sasha's acting really in that little part but that's just a little nitpick but i mean overall i really like this match to be fair she's a rapper so yeah carol really likes uh, sasha's wrestling but she cannot stand her acting yeah i agree with carol (laughs) to be fair micah you what did you think of the match uh, I thought it was technically a pretty good match. Uh, they actually worked me there for a little bit. I thought they were going to pull off a Lacey win, and I was going to be outraged. Yeah, I would have been happy either. not deserve to take the belt off of Bailey. Um, it didn't go as well as I think it could have story-wise. Maybe they want to stretch it out for SummerSlam with Sasha and Bailey because they're definitely turning on each other. Um, I, I, we had a little bit of trash talk in this match from Bailey, which actually was surprisingly good against Lacey. Um, that was probably the most trashed out we got of the night was from this match. Uh, so I thought they, they played better to the empty arena than probably any other match did. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good match. I mean, honestly, I think the, this one and the, the NXT women's championship were probably the two best technical matches of the night. I forgot yeah. one thing that actually okay. made me angry because I really okay. liked me. I did not like how they did her. Like, okay, so she just keeps showing up, and and it seems like she's weak because she, like, especially in this match, she tapped out, first of all, after, like, a second of Sasha's uh, submission move. I don't know what it's called, but it looks like a It's the crippler crossface is what it is, but she calls it the bank statement. Okay, so the bank statement, she taps out after, like, maybe two seconds of it, and and it made me feel so hurt because I was like, this she's supposed to be strong and I don't know. It just made me feel like they're weakening Naomi. Like each time she comes out there and gets beat. So that's just yeah, momentum coming out of WrestleMania. And they were just like, no, nah, we don't want any of that coming out of Royal Rumble. You mean? Yeah. Royal Rumble. That's what I meant. Yeah. She, she really did. So to make all things even, cause I think this will even up before we get to our last two matches, Devlin fatal five way women's championship match. what you think? Um, so I, I thought it was a good match. Um, I like the elimination style more so than I like just a, a five-way one pin. I, I don't like that. I like to see everybody kind of get their dues. It could have been certain people pinning certain people. Uh, I thought Lacey Evans uh, should have gone over in this match as much as she's chased um, Bailey for this belt. I thought it would have been a nice little surprise if she would have went over in it. Um and then like you still could have set up the Bailey Sasha uh, turn on each other in that realm, 
but it'd been kind of too obvious, but I, w- I would have still liked to see Lacey Evans. And I do have to point out one thing. Lacey Evans hit Sasha with the women's right so hard. I had to get up out of my chair and leave the room. That's how hard she hit her with that thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think she pulled that. It looked good. Legit. It was really hard. It looked great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, it was a good match. I see where they're going with it. Um, I, th- I think maybe there might have been too many competitors. If it was a three-way or a, a, an elimination-style three-way, I just think that they were trying to get everybody into one match. Uh, and they did the whole Andre spot with, with Tamina where everybody kind of dog-piled on her. I mean, it was kind of awkward right. where they were leading to in the beginning. Um, I don't think Tamina's that great of a worker. I think she's just a powerhouse that gets in there, and she's just a, like a fall fall lady, so to speak. Right. They just kind of like, no, you go out there, you're big. You can you can make yourself look good for five minutes, and then everybody's going to get over on you. Yeah, I kind of think Tamina still has a job because of her family ties. Yep. Just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go on that, too. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go into the Firefly Funhouse match next, and I'm going to do my very, very best to explain everything that happened. There's no way you can. You're not on mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I do. I'm going to try to do it in five minutes or less. If I forget anything like really important, let me know. But guys, if you haven't seen this, just pause, pause this podcast right now. Go watch it on YouTube. And then come back. Because my gosh, this was... I have never been... And I'm going to use Micah's words. I have never been more sports entertained in my life than watching this 13-minute whatever it is. It was not a match. It was not. There was a pinfall at the end. There was no referee. But I love this. And I popped so many times. So, but when we're talking about this... I was talking to my wife about, you know, the Fiend reverting people to, you know, their former states. And I'm talking about, you know, Thug Life John Cena. And my wife said, what about, like, you know, before that when he was... Whoa, 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 whoa. What? I got to give credit where credit's due. Micah totally threw that out there in our preview show. Was that Micah? Okay, I lied. I'm sorry. Micah is the one that said that. Because it happened, and I was like, oh my God, Micah nailed it on the head. Okay, my bad. He totally said the ruthless aggression. Yeah, you can't find my social media, but WWE, if you want to hit me up with a creative. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so my bad. So Micah was the one that said it. And so. said it too, to her credit, but. Yeah, yeah. Micah definitely said it as well. The match starts, match, and John Cena comes out (laughs) and on into the ramp, like in the actual arena. And like I'm like, there's no way this is gonna be a regular match, right? There's no way. And then like somehow he appears in the Firefly Funhouse. He's talking to Ramblin' Rabbit, and he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna go back there, and you're gonna follow Bray Wyatt." Okay, so he goes, and then there's just black, right? And Alistair? No, just like <laughs> darkness. Yeah, Alistair Black does have a room back there somewhere. I hear, you know, he somehow, you know. Oh man, if he so- would have been sitting back there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have laughed and popped. Yeah, yeah. But so a couple different things happen. And again, I'm not going to do shot for shot because there's so much to go over. But basically, John Cena was reliving his career and, and eventually reliving his failings or his failures. So he did the ruthless aggression thing. He came out in his little teeny tights. And instead of trying to punch Bray Wyatt slash Kurt Angle, uh, or he did try to punch, but Bray Wyatt just ducks it. And he's cutting a promo on him. And then we go into Word Life, John Cena, and he can only speak in rhymes. And they, you know, they fight a little bit. And then we go into the 
heel that never was. And like, what if John Cena would have been this big heel? So you had Bray Wyatt in an NWO Wolfpack shirt, and you had John Cena in an NWO Hollywood shirt. And he basically was Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And as he's coming out, doing the two sweet with his fingers, I said, please, please, John, please play the guitar on the belt. And he did. And I popped. So he comes to the ring, and they, they talk like that. John Cena starts to attack Bray Wyatt, and he's punching him and punching him. He's got him on the ground, ground and pound. And then you see that he's actually punching Huskus the pig. And so then we go into uh, Godwin Bray Wyatt, right? That's what I call him, but it's, you know, just backwoods, regular lantern Bray Wyatt. And he cuts this incredible promo about how uh, uh, John Cena ruined him six years ago. And John Cena says he believes in the future, but he didn't. And he didn't make the right choice. And so John Cena attempts to attack Bray Wyatt with a chair, although six years ago he just would not do it. But he fails in that. And then the fiend comes up behind him and literally kisses him on the forehead. Sister Abigail's him. One, two, three... The Fiend stands tall as John Cena literally just disappears with a pop. And it was crazy. There's so many little nuances that I can't point out. Like There was one point where they just had this like really short three seconds of all of John Cena's failures. And like you would see CM Punk kissing the title goodbye. And it's just little, little things like that. And it was just, I can't, I'm marking out again right here. I'm getting goosebumps. It was so, so good. I loved everything about this. So, Micah, give us a start on this. What did you think? I cannot believe Vince McMahon okayed this. I this can't either. Greatest, it was great. This is the greatest thing in WWE history. You know, forget forget all the WrestleMania moments of the past. This is the WrestleMania moment. <laughs> if there's anyone in WWE to give a movie to, don't give it to The Miz. Don't give it to John Cena. Bray Wyatt needs a movie. I mean, golly, this was so good. And the thing is, like, I know, like, we enjoyed it, right? I say, like, me and Matthew at least enjoyed it, I know. But we get a lot of the insider jokes and stuff. I don't know what a casual fan, fan would think of this fever dream. Uh, right. They would probably turn it on and be like, oh, I really like Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. I'm going to watch some wrestling. They turn it on, and they're like, what is this? Jim Cornette probably blew a gasket <laughs> watching this segment. And I would love, I would love a reaction video of Jim Cornette watching this. This that would be hilarious. But no, yeah. you had a lot of really good stuff. You, my favorite part of the entire thing is you have Macho Mercy the Buzzard on commentary, a la the Macho King, with yep. Mr. McBoss Man, and Mr. McBoss Man says, "Oh, that's good crap, pal." And it's just like. <laughs> I can't believe Vince Man okayed that because that yeah. is a thing that originates off of a Talk is Jericho segment with Dean Ambrose. It's a meme that's been going around for, I don't know, a year yeah. because that's a thing Vince McMahon apparently says a lot. And we, he actually okayed it. We got it. He said the thing. That was great. Love that. Uh, you had Bray Wyatt whenever, whenever, uh, Ruthless Aggression John was trying to hit Bray Wyatt. He starts singing Nikki Bella's theme song. Yeah. John Cena's ex-fiance. It was it was perfect. It was perfectly executed. And I want more of this, please. Riley? 
Um, as he was talking, I just pictured the bicep scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally skipped over that. I'm sorry. Just, Tell us about it. Um, isn't that the part where he starts talking? He's he's saying Johnny Large Meat. Yeah. yeah. Large meat. <laughs> and he's like, look at those muscles. Like, he's just, <laughs> it was so funny. And John Cena could not stop curling. And um, <laughs> it was just faster and faster and faster. And then he stopped. And his arms were like noodles. And he was trying to hit Bray with the noodle, with the noodle arm. <laughs> it was so funny. He also got the line in there about the cream rises to the top. <laughs> but so, to that was honest, really good. Like, I guess I, I'm... Like I said in the last podcast episode for night one, I didn't grow up like religiously watching wrestling. I didn't really know much about many of the people, but I loved this. It was so weird and it was awesome. Um, It was great. Yeah, they had so many little things during this too. Like you had the SmackDown hand, the fist from the set, which is like my childhood. And not only that, but did you notice the WCW ramp was on the other side because WCW had their hard cam on the opposite end of the uh, stadium? No, I didn't notice like They that. had that little detail right. Like they, they obviously had a lot of thought into this 13, 14 minutes of television. Just little small things like that, which I thought were really cool. I'm going to have to watch it at least five, six, seven more times. Yeah, the now that over. we're talking about it, I really want to go watch it. <laughs> Just so you know, they are playing it again on Raw, and then the Boneyard match will be on SmackDown. So if y'all want to watch those two absolute masterpieces again, that is just fine with me. Uh, Chris, would you like to go next? So the first time I watched it, I'm watching it, I'm like, what am I seeing right now? (laughs) (laughs) You messaged me and you said, what is this? And I said, it's the best thing ever. And you said, of course you would like it, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, It, it 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 was so awkward. I mean, the more I think about it and the more that I've been thinking about it today, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, there was definitely my, like my wife and my daughter thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, but I thought, I mean, as I'm thinking about it, and I, I started reading about it and how like Bruce Pritchard and Bray Wyatt are the ones who came up with most of it. And Cena definitely put his input in. But one thing I really like, and y'all have already said all the really cool big spots, but I really respect John Cena for not taking himself too seriously. Yeah, like because that's what I took over this whole thing is that he realizes that this is for entertainment. Because you know, so many other wrestlers, they're so into themselves and they're, I don't want to hurt my character, you know, all that stuff. But he's like, yeah, let let's make fun of me because this is gonna this is gonna be what's best for the business. And so I, I really respected him for that. And and um, but yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was different. Yeah, it was really really great. Devlin, you want to add anything? Uh, yeah. Um, so I've been a fan of professional wrestling for 34 years. I've never seen anything like this. Um, however, um, I think that Vince needs to cut DC, uh, comics a check because this had Scarecrow, Batman, Mad Hatter, Batman all written all over it, but I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, this could be just one of the best ways to just keep pushing Bray Wyatt to the moon. Like, Right. And I feel like sometimes Bray with the match with Goldberg, I'm like, man, why would they do that to such a great heel character? Right. I think that maybe this gained momentum back for him. And, and, and in all honesty, it, it was, it had to have been John saying, I'm, I'll do this for you. Like, even though there wasn't yeah. a match, Bray Wyatt still went over in this match and over oh, yeah. big in this match because it was on, his grounds in, in the, in the wrestling realm of things. Um, 
the little things you would catch, like John Cena coming out in tights again. Like we we've never we haven't seen that in seventeen years. Um, right. You know the going back through his history and what could have been, like you said, it was really creative. So whoever wrote this, whoever produced this, hats off to them because they had to come up with something that was completely different than A, night one, and B, whatever else was in this show tonight. And, of course, Mr. Kyle Dot Pauling. Is there a reason I'm going last? No. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've fallen under the camp right now because there, there's people who love this, there's people who hated it. I feel like I'm in the boat of the people who don't know how to feel about it. I, I was, I mean, listen, it was very creative. Definitely. Obviously very much influenced by the final deletion. Um, I was actually kind of surprised to hear that Borash wasn't involved in this, but I would go, I would, I would uh, wager that, Bray Wyatt probably did most of the thinking and creative probably ran it through Bruce and Bruce helped him. And then Cena get, had to give the okay on some things and then changed a couple things. And it was a collaboration, but I would say this came from Bray Wyatt's mind. It'll be interesting to see because obviously Bray had the belt. I mean, just a couple months ago heading, you know, he like he was heading into mania with the belt and he ran into Goldberg. That was a Vince call because he didn't feel like Bray was as big of a name for WrestleMania as Bill Goldberg. Now, obviously he thought there were going to be people in the stadium to watch Goldberg versus Reigns, but that's another story. So it'll be interesting to see because we know how Vince reacted to when Bray and Matt Hardy did their deletion type video to see how Vince reacts to this. And if he goes with it and gives the reins to Bray, We'll see. I, I would like to see it. But the reason I say that I'm like not sure if I love it or hate it, <laughs> because I was definitely entertained. I, I don't know how you can watch this and just not be entertained. It right. was definitely sports entertainment. I mean, it, th- there's tons of nostalgia in it. It was obviously a John Cena was it was almost like the Fiend was a Freddy Krueger type character now, which is strange because like this is the first time they've ventured into this realm of his powers or whatever. Cause Cena like had zero control in this at all. Like he was just basically on the, this roller coaster ride that the fiend was taking him on. And it was a good story, but it, it definitely, I mean, wasn't a match of any kind, really. It was just a story. There was a pinfall at the end and uh Bray, Bray Wyatt counted as the fiend pin John Cena. But I, I tend to say I like the boneyard match better as like a match and a story because it had a conflict. They had a fighting. They had like spots in it that turned the tide to the match. Like, I felt like this was kind of just a ride that you were on, but it was, it was just always going to kind of be the way it ended up. Like, I don't know. There wasn't like any turns or any, like John Cena was never in control of this at all. Like it was just a ride that you went on and you were entertained throughout. But I don't know. I, so that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know what to think about it. Like, I don't love it like you guys do because, like, it wasn't a match. Like, it wasn't what I thought it was going to – I mean, I knew it was going to be crazy. But, like, at least with the Hardy, like, with Final Deletion, there was, like, you know, 
there was control that like ebbs and flows of the match. Like the Hardys kept going back to the ring. They actually had a match. And I mean, it, it resolved a story that, you know, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy had that, you know, that was going on. But like this, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect Cena to come back and do more with this, but I don't, I don't, it could go like in a crazy direction and very similar to the very first Matt Hardy video where they're on the Hardy compound and like people didn't really know what to think about it. But then when they learned more about the character and they added more to it, it got better. Like you, you kind of look back on it fondly now. Like, so maybe that's how I feel like in a, in a month or so, if they do more with this, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I just kind of don't know how to feel about it. It was entertaining, but I don't know. That's fair. I mean, you, you've got to admit that it's better than a Bray Wyatt versus John Cena actual match would have been. Cause that wouldn't have been good. Well, it could have been good. I don't good. know. Yeah. Like you, and, and I, mean, I don't know. Have we seen really any good matches out of the fiend? I mean, not out of Bray Wyatt necessarily, but out of the fiend, I mean, him and Daniel Bryan was okay in the strap match. When a lot of people but, have been saying that about, cause I mean, that was part of the reason a lot of people don't think the fiend has gotten over as much as it could have been. But like, he's kind of been handicapped because he's been told, Hey, don't sell anything like the, the hell in the cell match was just like ridiculous. Like when is Bray since he's been in this character really had a chance to like work and do stuff in the ring, you know, where he wasn't like an unstoppable force. Yeah. He hasn't had a chance and I don't think that they would have given him that chance. And I'm afraid that it would have been uh attitude adjustment, mandible claw. Uh, he breaks out and then he hits him with an STF and he no sells it. And then, and then Emmanuel Clausman would have been over. I mean, that's what I feel like it would have been. I feel like it would have been Goldberg versus Braun. But I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. In one night. I did forget, and I don't think any of us mentioned this, at the very end, as the Fiend has John Cena and the sister Abigail, he kisses him on the forehead, and you hear John Cena's promo from SmackDown, where he says he's going to finally put an end to the performer who is the most overrated of all time. And he, whatever that promo said. Right. And... It, it like slowly zoomed in on John Cena, and then of course you hit. He's hit Sister Abigail, does the Manimal Claw. It was, I I loved it. And I understand why you didn't. I get it, but I mean, I, I almost loved feel it. like this should have been something. I mean, it, it probably would have made more sense if John Cena was an active performer and this wasn't just a one-off mania appearance. But I almost feel like this would have been better as a setup for it because, like I said, Cena had no control in this. It was like he was living in the Fiend's world. I mean, Bray Wyatt just squashed him, Bray, basically, if you want to look at it as a match, because Cena didn't really do anything. He just kind of was prey to Bray Wyatt's crazy uh, mushroom, you know, weed-induced nightmare, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like, he was, just, yeah. he was just along for the ride. So, like, but as far as, like, a match goes, there was no, like, back and forth. There was no – so that's kind of what my problem is with it. Like, I feel like there needs to be some kind of follow-up, because, like, otherwise he just, like, killed Cena, or, like, is Cena, like – now comatose with Bray controlling his mind. Like there to me, there needs to be more to it. Like there needs to be something coming out of this. Maybe they'll do it next year at mania. Who knows? But like, I feel like this is just the first step of something or even if it's like a first step to maybe this new power that the fiend has, and maybe he's going to start doing it to other people. And it's going to be a problem that they need to, uh, that's kind of where my mind goes. So in a nutshell, I don't know how to feel about this because <laughs> it was crazy. 
So I hope so, because uh, I'm all for Dan and Brian going to the Firefly Funhouse. And I totally agree with Devlin. Like, this is straight out of a comic book. Like, it's set. It could set up for something. Like, but but in the Batman comic, it's not like Scarecrow, you know, striking fear into Batman, and then it just ends. Like, there's more to it, you know. So I think that's kind of where uh, you know what I'm leading to. So so Kyle, to okay. your point, uh, I, I just want to say as a purist of, of wrestling who, who loves to see good wrestling matches and stuff like that. Like I would have appreciated to see a wrestling match out of these two as well, but I can also respect the creativity of what this was. Oh yeah. And, and, and I want to see, I don't want to see exactly more of this. And if I did see more of this, I would want to see maybe John go over in, in the match, but I want to see more of this story. I want to see more of Cena versus Bray. I want it to extend further out, maybe to SummerSlam. I want to see that because now I'm engulfed in this story that was really created in this match. There was no story behind John and the Fiend wrestling other than you know the WrestleMania match they had years ago. So we've literally built a storyline right here. So I feel like maybe that, right. that's where they need they need to continue. If they don't continue with this, it's for not. This is garbage at this point. But it has to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's that's my exact thing as well. Like I think there needs to be more to it. Even if Cena's not involved, like continue it in some other way. And like I said, maybe the fiend starts preying on other people like this, and that brings you know it leads John Cena to coming back at some point and like addressing this, like maybe he goes home for like several months and comes back and says like, Hey man, that really messed me up. Like I've had nightmares since then. I've got to figure like something like it's gotta be, there's gotta be more to it. Like I don't just see this as like, otherwise like I'm just going to imagine John Cena, the character is just like lying in a hospital or like in an insane asylum from what he just yeah. went through. Like well, maybe we'll get that heel John Cena turn and he'll, he'll tag with Bray and then turn on him. Maybe. I mean, Seth yeah. went heel because of the fiend. So Maybe, maybe Cena will yeah, come so back and do the heel. Power. I mean, yeah. I think we should also also mention that Bray got him for the three count with referee Bray counting him out, and <laughs> right. then he, and then John Cena disappeared because we in fact cannot see him. <laughs> also, I will say uh, the Vince McMahon puppet is the greatest thing. In it's so good, <laughs> he's feeding him money. It's great. Uh, like I had laughed at every bit of him on there. Yeah, like, it's fantastic. All right, so let's move into the main event. I know we, we spent a lot of time on that, but honestly, I feel like we needed to. Like it was, it was so divisive because we're not going to spend um, a lot of time on this main event. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Chris Cumby, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you <laughs> choose. Would you like to go first or last for Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar? Let me go last. Okay, perfect. That's what I thought. So here's what happened with Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar, okay? And you guys remember our Braun Strowman versus Goldberg review and my 60-second uh, promo on that. I feel like Chris is going to one-up me. So here's here's how we're doing this. This is this was the match, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Claymore, German suplex, German suplex, F5, F5, F5. Hey, keep doing it all night. Claymore, Claymore, pinfall. I believe that was the match. And if that wasn't it, again... Darn close. Darn close. Kyle, since you went last, last time I'll let you go first here for Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of what people expected it to be. Uh, yeah, there's like a total, I believe, of three moves in this match. Claymore yeah. kick, German suplex, F5. Who knew Brock Lesnar would be the one with more moves in this match? But uh, yeah, it was basically 
Drew out Brock Lesnaring Brock Lesnar. Uh, exactly what it was. Um, it it was fine, especially after the the Bray thing. <laughs> like it was kind of especially because I looked at the clock and I was like, "There's only like a couple minutes left." So I actually, when he came out and hit the Claymore kick like 20 seconds in, I was like, "I thought it was the finish right there." I was surprised right. he kicked out, and uh, they, but it was fast. Got it over with. Um, I'll be interesting to see what I heard. I mean, I heard rumors that Lesnar was upset backstage at McMahon for a couple things. Uh, so I don't know if that played any part in the match, but, uh, I will say McIntyre coming out of this. I mean, I'm so happy for the dude. I wish it could have been in front of a, a crowd that could just go crazy for him because he deserves it. But yeah. man, he won the belt was so happy. Like he, he just like grabbed the belt. He's obviously in tears. Like he, at one point, and he, he even said, I, I listened to him. He was on the Pat McAfee show, uh, which is a great show. You need to go listen to. Uh, he was on that show today. They talked to him about it. And he just said, like, he actually didn't think they would use it and they would keep it in because they, you know, edited this type of stuff. But after the match, he, like, just ha- took a moment. He saw the camera sitting there. And he just, like, looked up at the camera and, like, reached out to all the people. Like, put his hand out Dusty road style and, like, reached out and, like, pointed at him and just said, thank you. Thank you. And just started, like, beating the mat. He was, like... I was so happy for the guy. Like it was such a good happy ending for WrestleMania. I didn't even care that the match was only like <clears throat> not even five minutes. I don't think. Uh, I, so it, it was what it needed to be. Yeah. So it was what it needed to be. I just, like I said, I wish it would have happened in front of a giant crowd, but McIntyre with a belt is appropriate. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. I think he's going to be great though. I agree. Riley. Um, I like that Drew won, and I agree with Kyle. Like, the ending where he was genuinely – like, he had tears in his eyes, and he was thanking everybody, um, mouthing it, you know, to the camera. That made this really short match with only three three moves worth watching, I think. I really wanted Drew to win, um, and I was just – I was excited that he won and that now the title has moved on from Brock Lesnar. Yeah, for at least a couple months. Uh, Devlin? <laughs> so I've always had this, since Brock has come back, I've always had this weird hatred for how Brock gets pushed to the moon. And uh-huh. and, and he's not doing what a guy of his magnitude and, and, a, and a made man should be doing. Um, you know, taking titles off of guys and, and, and holding on to them and not really defending them throughout Raw and SmackDown or wherever. Uh, and just to build him up to WrestleMania, it seems like every year we go through the same boring scenario where Vince puts the belt on on Brock. Brock holds it basically ransom for six, seven months or whatever. And they build up some other guy on the other end to, to challenge him. And then they ends up beating him. We get the happy ending WrestleMania moment, which is what we should have at the end of WrestleMania. Um, I can only think of maybe one time we didn't really have quote unquote the happy ending that we should have got, but I, I, I'm happy for Drew. I really am. I'm always happy for anybody who's put so much work into the business, um, and that is you know went through the three man band and he went through terrible gimmicks and he basically got shunned down to the bottom of the roster. I, I'm always happy for guys who climb their way back up or you know come, leave and come back and then and, and get that that push that they deserve. But I don't, I don't, I didn't want it to be Brock. I didn't want, I didn't want Brock to be in that position with him. So I wasn't into this match from the beginning. And, and it sucks because I really like Drew McIntyre's 
how he holds himself, how he holds himself in the ring. I really like the guy, but I felt I felt like it was almost even even if there was a crowd, it was almost like here's the belt. It wasn't like thank you. It wasn't like an Eddie Guerrero moment where we had you know Eddie going in there and Eddie beating Brock, and that was that was emotional for everybody who grew up watching Eddie Guerrero because we we loved Eddie so much. Definitely, it didn't have that to me, and I feel like that even if he there was a crowd and even they were in Tampa this wouldn't still feel the same because it's Brock. If it was, if it was John Cena, if it was the fiend, if it was anybody else on that roster with that belt, it would have felt completely different. And I would have, I would have felt more appreciative of Drew's win than I did watching this four minute and 35 second fiasco of a match, basically spitting in all of our fans faces, but like, ha ha, I still control the company. I'm Vince McMahon. I'm gonna do what I want. Like, and that's the thing that Vince always does to us fans is that he basically says, well, I booked this. Okay, great. This is what we're doing. I'm putting Brock over for the belt, and then I'm going to have someone chase him for six months. Yeah, 100%. I hate it. And I, Micah? I, I hated the match, but I'm, I'm happy for Drew. I hated the match, happy for Drew. Yeah, exactly the same here, man. Micah? Yeah, so I said on the preview show this had the chance of being a good match, and I was right. It did have a chance, but it was a very slim chance, and we did not get that slim chance. So right. I know Chris is going to cut a, a very long promo on the f- why he hates the fiber of Brock Lesnar's being, but I'm going to tell you why I dislike Brock Lesnar in the WWE. The reason I dislike Brock Lesnar in the WWE is because Brock Lesnar put on one of my favorite matches of all time, the Iron Man match against uh, Kurt Angle. Yeah. That's one of the best television matches of all time, and he just doesn't care anymore. He just doesn't try. He's just there, and he gets his check, and he goes home. This yeah. Drew deserved a better match than this. He did. I mean, he's got such a, a storied history in the WWE. This is his Cinderella story. This is, like he said, the Eddie Guerrero, the Chris Benoit, the, the moment that he finally gets the championship and Brock didn't even bother to put on a good match. And it, maybe it's not all Brock. It, it might not all be Brock. Maybe it's Vince. But, I mean, golly, there could have been more than three moves. It could have been anything. You know, I, I, I dislike Goldberg. Because Goldberg's not a good worker. Goldberg's never been a good worker. Brock Lesnar used to be a good worker. And it's not because he's old. And it's not because he he you know his body's broken down. He doesn't put in the effort anymore. And that's my issue. Um, Drew McIntyre, he, he deserved a great moment. And to be honest with you, I'm glad Drew's got it. But I'm just waiting for the next moment. I'm ready for Drew McIntyre to finally to defend that he needs a good first uh, adversary and a good win at SummerSlam, and he needs to hold this until next WrestleMania because he needs another good WrestleMania moment, and I hope that's what happens. But And of course, last but not least, the WrestleLife heel and Brock Lesnar's biggest fan, Mr. Chris Cumbie. So Brock Lesnar is the antithesis of everything that the WWE promotes as what they say a good wrestler should be. He has no mic skills. He doesn't speak. Someone else has to talk for him. He doesn't he doesn't have any doesn't do anything in the ring. He makes John Cena look like he is Daniel Bryan technically because John Cena has his five moves of doom and then Brock Lesnar can only do 3 and he's perspiring so much that it looks like he's going to die. 
Um, and then whenever he, you know, he he hits the stupid F five, hits the stupid F five, hits the stupid F five, and every time he looks over with his Neanderthal red beaming face, with his no eyebrows and just you just he's just a he's a horrible human being. Like there's there's no purpose of him on this earth at this point. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, I, I listen, we love Drew McIntyre. Super happy for him. And I was so ticked off because Drew McIntyre can wrestle. He is not just a big dude who does big moves like Braun and, and all that stuff. Like, he can actually put on a really good match. And so the fact that he had to go into the ring with that moron to have his moment is infuriating. And I don't get it. Like, Vince is a smart person. I mean, he's a billionaire. He he didn't just accidentally become a billionaire. He's he's clearly knows what he's doing, and yet he puts all of his trust and money in this moron. I don't understand it. But I'm really excited uh, for, for Drew. I think that um, it'd be awesome to see him and Seth go, you know, go a few rounds. I think that'd be awesome with Seth being the heel and everything. And, and um, I just... I really hope we don't see Brock for a long, long time. He needs to go out to the pasture where he belongs and just we never see him or his steroid face ever again. All right. So what we're going to do now as we're ending the show is all six of us are going to grade the show and we're going to give the best match and the worst match. And this, I'm not going to include the Boneyard or the Firefly Funhouse match. We're going to say that it has to be inside the ring and i'll go first to give you guys a little bit of chance so wrestlemania night two i don't think was quite as good as night one um obviously i love the firefly fun house but let's let's be real here okay the there were so many throwaway matches and i was one of of the opinion that i didn't care for edge and orton uh so i'm gonna give this this night a c plus uh, which I think is probably lower than the rest of you will, will grade. And then I'm going to give the whole show a B-, minus, which I think is an average of what I gave Night 1 and Night 2. Um, I thought this WrestleMania was just fine. I think considering all that they had to all that was going on in the world right now, that they surpassed expectations. This could have been an absolutely miserable two-night slog, and it turned into mostly... An entertaining night. And, you know, even the matches that I didn't like, like Corbin and Elias, like, I do not care about this match. I didn't care about it before the night started. I didn't care about it after the night ended. You know what? It was fine. The, I think my biggest disappointment is the two biggest titles in World Wrestling Entertainment and the two men's world championships, both those matches were crap. I mean, they were absolute hot garbage. Uh, but, honestly, the, the show was good. I thought it was good. Uh, match of the, the of the two evenings combined would be Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins for me. And worst match uh, by a pretty large margin, even worse than Drew and uh, uh, Lesnar, because I actually liked the outcome of that, uh, was Braun Strowman and Goldberg. I thought that match was hot garbage. I hate Braun Strowman as your, as your WWE champion. Uh, if you listen to Night One Review, you know how much I hated it. And yeah, going to move on. Uh, Kyle.Pauly. Are we doing best and worst of both nights combined? Uh, grade night two, grade WrestleMania as a whole, and then give me your best match of the weekend and the worst match of the weekend. Okay. So I'd say as a grade for night two, I'm actually going to go a little bit lower than you. I'm going to go 
a C. Really? Uh, yeah, because I'd, I'd almost go C minus because other than Charlotte and Rhea, like I didn't really there, – there were things about these matches pretty much all through the night that I didn't like. Uh, either they were too long and boring or they were like super short. Obviously, we had the Firefly Funhouse that was just – I mean, it was entertaining for what it was. But then other than that, there wasn't anything that like just stood out. Um, like I said, the Alistair Bobby Lashley match, I hated the ending of that. Otis and Dolph was fine, but needed a crowd. I mean, there were just things throughout the show that could have been a lot better. Um, so I can't give it more than a C. I mean, and I would even go like a C minus because it, it, yeah, it was just disappointing to me mainly because in, I, I, I'm actually going to do this since I don't think we did it earlier this week. I'm going to go ahead and do the future endeavor and the brass ring, because that's basically what it is anyway. Okay. I'm <laughs> giving the future endeavors, which is the worst match of the weekend for me to edge and Randy Orton. No, come on. It wasn't the worst one. I definitely think it was. Uh, it was so long. It was so boring. Uh, they, it was a safe match, but they didn't really do anything at the same time. Uh, they took their time. I hate, like, I just really, Thought the Benoit spot was out of like in poor I know they probably didn't do it on purpose, but I mean, come on. And then it, I don't know, like the ending was okay, but the build up to it, I just didn't care about it. So at that point, like I saw 40 minutes of just boring. And like I said, Gargano and Ciampa did such a better version than this. Like I, like I had no interest in it. Like it was just so boring to me. And it's not just because of that, but I mean, it could easily. Obviously, Elias and Corbin are not as good, but that's the whole problem. Edge and Orton are so good. Like, they're just good workers. They could do better than this, I feel like. So, it was such a huge disappointment, especially off the, the story that they were going on. So, all in all, like, it, to me, it was the worst, you know, everything going on this weekend. And then, okay. I would say my favorite match... And I did like the Boneyard match a lot, but I... I got to give it to to Charlotte and Rhea. I mean, I didn't really like the finish. I wish Rhea would have won. But, man, they worked so hard in this match. They were, like, just, you know, killing each other. I mean, this is how you need to do a match for an empty arena of people because they, like, they could have been one person in the stands, zero, or there could have been, like, a million, and it wouldn't have made a difference. They put on the same match. They beat the snot out of each other. Other than Charlotte winning, I thought it was a fantastic match. And I mean, we'll see where we go with it. So that was my match of the weekend and who I'm giving the brass ring to because they were awesome. I hope Rhea comes out on top in this feud. I think she will eventually, but we'll see. So those are the two or the one that I like the most. And obviously Edge Norton, I did not like. Okay. Devlin? So I didn't get to review night one with you guys, um, but I really loved Owens and Rollins from night one. I thought that was really good. Um, yeah. Fortunately, I get compared to to Kevin Owens a lot. <laughs> in my- <laughs> the the um, physical stature is that why you say unfortunately? Physical stature and the fact that he actually had a name and I'd been in the business longer than him, so I, I yeah I always get compared to him. But plus, I I, I do a swanton. So, but dude, if anyone had compared me to Kevin Owens, that'd be like the greatest thing that ever happened in my lifetime. Not when he wasn't signed. Everybody was like, "Oh man, you look like Kevin Owens." I'm like, "Who the hell is oh, okay?" Kevin? Okay. Or what? Or <laughs> Kevin Steen was his name back then, but um, 
I really enjoyed that match. I thought they did a really good job in that match. Um, I like the the false finish that we got there with um, him calling him back in. It showed a lot of grit um, for the, the the Kevin Owens character, the you know the fight mentality that he has um, for that character. So I really liked that match. Um, but we're on, you know, we're talking about night two here. Um, if I have to grade night two, it's going to be a C. Uh, there was a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, I think that your main event should be the showcase of night, if it's going to be night two, but in reality, if it was all packaged together, this main event should have sort of lived up to some form of hype. And like Chris said, I believe it was Chris Brock can, you know, Brock can wrestle. We, we need to see. Brock wrestle. We don't need to see Brock come in. Chris definitely definitely didn't say that Brock can wrestle. He would never say that ever. I'm getting heat already. Um, <laughs> so like night one. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, that's kind of my thing. I get heat. Anyways. Um, so I, I think that we, the fans, people who love wrestling, deserve to have a quality main event. And I like again, I go back to, I don't think Brock should have been in this position because we got exactly what Vince wanted us to get. And I will say it till the day I die. It's Vince's call with Brock always has been, always will be what he does, what he, who he pushes, who he takes belts off of. It's Vince's call. It's no one else's call. So this had to be structured by Vince and wanted to put Drew over. So yeah, go out there and make him look like a, you're, you're killing a monster, Drew. You're going to do it so quickly. You're going to be on top because you conquered Brock Lesnar. It's exactly how probably it went down. So yeah. that's why it's a C. The match for the, the for the first night for me, I'm breaking it up. And of course, Owens and Rollins. Um, second night, it's Flair and Ripley. Uh, my only downfall again to that is that I think that the psychology in that match with 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 Ripley selling her knee and then doing moves with off of her knee and and running was a real kind of downfall. But it was still a good solid match because again, to everybody's point, they beat the living crap out of each other. Um, so yeah, as a whole, WrestleMania as a whole, a C. All right, Mr. Chris Cumby. So for uh, night two, I was disappointed. I felt like night one was just better all around. Um, night night two, I was definitely disappointed. I'm going to go ahead and say that it was a C, a solid C, and that's grading on a curve uh, because of how good the first match was. And I am going to say that my match, um, favorite match of the entire, of all of WrestleMania was definitely uh, Flair and Rhea Ripley. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take anyone else's answer. Uh, that's just honestly my favorite. Um, and the worst, it's a strong tie with, uh, with Lesnar and his dad. Um <laughs> Uh, Goldberg. So, but but those two matches were absolute crap, and they were the biggest championship matches. I just, I don't get it. I just don't understand how every other promotion puts on an amazing main event for their championship, except for the biggest company in in the wrestling world. I just, right. it doesn't make sense to me, and it never will. And until Triple H takes over, we're going to get this crap over and over again. So, and they're basically the same match, Chris. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The only difference was what T. A, a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, um, they're structured exactly the same way. So exactly. yeah, I, I totally agree. That's why to me they were both the worst. Uh, but overall, I agree with you, Matt. I think that they did the best with what they had. 
So I really do agree with you on that. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of that, and they're getting a, a strong B plus overall. Um, and again, grading on a curve because they did the best with what they had. Okay, cool. And Riley, I saved you for a long, long time. I know we got Micah to go as well, but I know you often take a while to decide, so I decided to give you some time. Are you ready, or do you want Micah to go first? I'm ready. Thank All you. All right, let's do this, Grace. She, she, she looks through the list of matches like four times. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> um, okay, so my favorite was definitely Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. I just loved so much that I got worked in that match, like, because it made the outcome so much cooler. Oh, the DQ? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it was great. Um, my least favorite is going to be Goldberg, just because I, okay, and don't hate me, 13-year-old Matthew, but um, I do not like Goldberg. Um, here, here. Like, I just. 13-year-old <laughs> um, Matthew is dead after that match, so don't worry. Like, he, okay, he's dead well, now. Okay, Tell okay, him what you think he looks like. Because to me, okay, I can't get past seeing a bird whenever I look at him. I don't know why. What? Why? Because he has he a mask on his face? And, like, sticks his tongue out. So, like, he like, opens his mouth and he sticks his tongue out. He's like a baby bird, like, wanting food. I don't know. Okay. So, I that was it. my least favorite match. <laughs> see, I had to really convince Micah, so now he sees it now. So, go yeah, look she, at go I didn't Google understand what she was pictures. talking about. She pulled up a picture. She's like, look, he looks like he's waiting for a worm. <laughs> Really I've never wanted to know that, and now I know it. I can never go back now. You're next. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so I think last night or the part one, I graded it in A minus, and this one is gonna. I'm gonna give it a B just because the matches that I did enjoy, I really enjoyed them. So it kind of made me forget about the ones that I didn't enjoy. Um, so overall, I'm going to give WrestleMania a B plus. Okay, very very optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, fun fact: this is the first WrestleMania that I've ever watched. So. Oh there. wow! Really? Yes. We're gonna have to oh, go back and watch it next year when they actually are in front of eighty thousand fans. Yeah. Yeah. I chose I chose a pandemic to watch the first one. So. Perfect. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, go ahead, Micah. Uh, I want to imitate basically what a lot of people said. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins was the best match of both nights, in my opinion. And uh, the worst match was Braun Strowman versus Goldberg, or Oldberg, as I should say. Um, uh, I think I give the first night a B. And, like, I want to give this night a B- minus because I enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse so much. But I didn't really enjoy it much else that much. I mean, yeah, Otis got the win. Uh, I agreed with a lot of the booking, of it, but it's just, I didn't like sitting through the match. I just didn't get done and be like, man, that was a really good match. Um, I did, I did do that with, uh, the NXT women's champion, but, uh, a lot of the other ones, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the technicality of a lot of them. Uh, so I think I'm going to, I'm going to mimic Matthew and, and do a, a C plus for night two, uh, only because of how much I enjoy the Firefly Funhouse uh, segment. And, Overall, this WrestleMania, probably a, a low B minus, I would, I would say. Okay, that's fair. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us. Wait, 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 wait. You're not getting out of this. You're not We're getting not... out of this. Oh, we yes. Have back, yes. We have to I'm go back to it. our predictions. Yeah, we have to go. Fortnite won. Yeah. Uh, I stand before you. You're reigning. 
defending universal champion of def- uh, uh-huh. predictions. Okay. Uh, Kyle is a close runner-up. He he got me by one claymore one claymore uh, kick. He's eleven. I'm twelve. And Matthew is down there in uh, enhancement talent area, and he's in uh, eight out of what is it, eighteen matches. You guessed correctly. Eight out of sixteen because we didn't do the pre-show. Yeah. So bravo. I think uh, uh, I went for six for eight on night two. I just did so poorly on night one. What is it we normally do to losers around here? There's a thirty second challenge. Is is there is that like a thirty second challenge he has to do, Kyle? Is that what I'm hearing? That's that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think I, I, think remember, those. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think this thirty second challenge should be why the main event of next year's WrestleMania should be Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. Oh God, don't do this! To I'm me. gonna disconnect if he does that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Here we go. Thirty Ready? seconds on the clock. All right. I'll start. You want you gonna do the clock? You want me to do it? I got it. Okay. And. Go. Go. So Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, who are clearly two dominant, amazing superstars. And, and let's, just, let's just look at let's look at their bodies for a second, all right? Because these two guys are absolutely jacked. And, and let's look at the success of their WrestleMania 20 match, right? Which we recently just talked about on the best and worst, cheap plug. If they could remake that match and redo it for WrestleMania 37, I'm not sure there's anything that would make me happier, anything that would draw more ratings, anything that would draw more pay-per-view buys than those big old meats just slapping back and forth each other, as you like to say. I'm telling you, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, the two biggest draws today in the WWE, will again be the biggest draws next year as Goldberg defeats Brock Lesnar and becomes again your universal heavyweight champion of the world. In third meaty men slapping meat, that's right. (laughs) I didn't believe a single word of that. You sold me. You sold me. I hope that we get it next year. I'm pretty sure. Thank you, Riley. I'm pretty sure that that promo was longer than the match actually could will probably be. Yeah. But I way, and I and I literally just threw up all over the place. I know. <laughs> that was my whole goal, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode 96, WrestleMania Part Two of Wrestle Life Radio. Please follow us at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can listen to us absolutely anywhere. Riley, where can we find you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rybugsen. That's R I B U G S E N N. And the Wrestle Life Heel, Chris, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, Twitter on Wrestle Life Heel, and also on YouTube of YouTube slash Chris Cumby. And then Kyle.Pauly on what? Kyle.Pauly on Instagram because Matt is trying to steal my gimmick again. <laughs> it's going to happen every time, and every time. And Devlin, tell us a little bit. Uh, I want you to go into a little more detail. You have your own podcast, and you're a former indie wrestler, and you still, you still wrestle every once in a while, right? No, I'm on hiatus at the moment. <laughs> Okay, so give me a little bit about where we can find you. Tell me about your film podcast, and uh, we want to know where we can listen to you. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Devlin Anderson. You can find me on Instagram at Devlin Anderson 83 uh, You can find me on Facebook at Devlin Anderson. Um, my podcast is called Know Your Cinema Podcast. It is a weekly movie review podcast um, where me and two of my friends um, review movies. We also answer questions in regards to some of our favorite things about film. Um, we also then spin a game show style wheel at the end of the um, episode to determine our movie fate, so to speak. 
Um, and then we go the next week and review those movies. And this month we are reviewing uh, stoner movies. So it is a month of four <laughs> stoner movies. So uh, next on the docket is, I believe, The Big Lebowski. So that is absolutely incredible. And that is the podcast that I tried to invite myself on until Devlin curb stomped my face into the match and said, No, sir. I don't like it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been That's Wrestle Life, like Matt. That. You can follow me on. That's not like <laughs> I said, you you're me. like Chris Candido. It is no gimmicks needed. Only it's no gimmicks. <laughs> okay? That's what I That's said. true. That's true. That's true. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. We have really enjoyed doing this episode. This has been the mega episode, night two of WrestleMania Wrestle Life Radio. We hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day, and we will see you very soon. Word life.